John, how did this come to pass? How did we get to late January in the year of Gobert? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at home watching basketball and thinking, right now, I like D'Angelo Russell more than I like Rudy Gobert. (laughs) Oh, man, isn't it funny, Jim? The last time that we were together um, in a, you know, in a Wolves setting, you were asking how Chris Finch was and, and really the Wolves in general kind of held everything together with all of their injuries because it, it, it was a feel-good story. And now all of a sudden um, they play the Rockets and it's terrible. And, um, and, and this is the way we go. But such is what this season has been, these wild, wild swings. And, you know, Rudy Gobert has 15 points, 16 rebounds, four blocks in the Rockets game. You think, yeah, I, I'd take that nine times out of ten. But – then you see some of the ways that he just was not able to close on on some of the Rockets defenders. And um, and you see D'Angelo Russell making some shots and it's easy to get kind of swept up in that a little bit. It's this has been a completely maddening team to watch and try and get your your arms around. And watching that game last night uh, uh, against Houston was just the latest kind of poke in the eye to uh, to all Wolves fans as they're trying to figure out what the heck this team is all about this year. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show on TalkNorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. That is free and the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. And thanks to TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, and Manscaped. And thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our shows and some of our new additions to the lineup. You know, one of the, I feel like part of my job as someone who writes columns about all the sports in town is to be somewhat dispassionate. Uh, You don't want to be anywhere near sports and not have some passion for the enterprise and the people and your job. But I also feel like trying to be rational is kind of where, what we should do. This is the one team that just pushes my buttons. This is the one team (laughs) where I go, I want to punch my TV. I want to yell at the players. I want to, you know, it's like, because every time I feel like they found something, every time I feel like they're in the going in the right direction, they will lose to the Pistons or the Rockets for no reason other than they weren't energetic enough. Yeah, I mean, that's been the real frustrating thing this season is that, as Chris Finch said after the game, uh, we can beat anybody on any given night. We can lose to anybody on any given night. And in some ways, I know Wolves fans won't want to hear this. That is not unique. The Pistons have beaten the the Warriors twice and the Mavericks twice, along with the Timberwolves. Um, teams have stinkers against uh, lower, lesser opponents all the time, but it does seem like the Timberwolves have a special skill and a special knack for doing that. You could really argue that the Wolves could have lost three of the four games they played to Houston. Uh, they were down They were down 20 um, at Houston the last time they were there. Uh, they needed 44 points from Anthony Edwards on Saturday to kind of outlast them and, and win. And then uh, on Monday night, they were just terrible. Um, and so there does seem to be a maturity piece that is missing from this team. And, you know, they are in a fight for the playoffs right now. Everything has been difficult for them. If they had won against Houston, they would have been the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And instead, I think they're eight or nine right now. Um, and, you know, that that can change quickly from day to day. But 
when you look back at the end of this season, whatever they're jockeying for position, let's even say things go well and they're they're in the six or the five seed and they put some things together. They're going to be looking back at Houston, at Detroit, at Charlotte, at San Antonio and saying, man, if we picked up more of the wins there against teams we should have beat, now you're in the hunt for the four seed. Um, if they're in the play-in at tournament, then you you look back and you say, man, if we would have taken these games more seriously, we'd be out of the play-in and not worrying at all about our our future uh, in the playoffs. And so it, it's, it's happened so many times, just so many times that you just wonder if this team is capable of learning that way and of having that sink in, or if it is just a defect of character, of maturity, of whatever it is that is unsolvable right now. Because no matter what Chris Finch has tried, no matter what some of the players have tried, have tried, it just hasn't gotten any better on that front. Let's go to Gobert, and you talked about it, and I think I thought you really hit it perfectly on the podcast where you brought this up. Uh, even when Gobert has good numbers, efficient from the field, lots of rebounds, a couple of blocks. You just feel like he's, to me, he's tiptoeing around. He's trying to score on cute little moves and cute little spinny shots around the basket. And he's he's putting a hand in the face, but he's not rejecting the ball into the 10th row. He's getting the rebound, but he's not knocking somebody out of the way to get the rebound. I just thought last night was classic Gobert. He, his numbers were fine. But that's a game where he could have just thrown his, literally thrown his weight around. He could have intimidated a team. He could have dominated a team. And instead, he just kind of got the easy rebound and, and got the dunk when nobody was guarding him. I want I want to see him. I would. Here's what I would do if I were coaching Gobert. And uh, previously, my coaching experience involved people who were not even five feet tall. So I'm not <laughs> an expert on coaching seven-footers. But I would tell him, I want to see you rebound with force. I want to see you block shots with force. I want to see you, every time you're near the rim, I want you to dunk the ball or force people to uh, hurt themselves trying to stop you from dunking the ball. That's all I want from you. Force on offense, force on defense, and force uh, when rebounding. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to see more for sure. Um, you, I thought we were starting to see that a little bit more. Yeah in the games right before he got hurt. And so I do want to give him just a little bit of grace as he gets back into it after missing three games um, to see if like he can resume that. I, I guess I expected a little bit of rust or a little bit of tentativeness because he's, he's figuring out what he can do on that groin and what he can't. Um, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, there were a couple of plays last night and Chris Finch said it as well. Uh, Chris Finch said he thought that Rudy Gobert could have done a better job controlling the paint. And you are seeing, by and large, that Rudy Gobert has a much greater effect on rim protection when he's on the floor than when Nas Reed or Luca Garza or Nate, Nate Knight is, is at center. So in some ways, he has been hugely influential from a defensive perspective for the Timberwolves. But that also speaks as much to how bad the rim protection has been with those other three versus how good it's been with Rudy Gobert. Opponents are shooting fewer shots at the rim against Rudy. Um, they're 
shooting a less percentage. But again, that's kind of the, the bar is not hard, hard to clear when you're talking about what Nasri, Nate Knight and, and Luca Garza do in that effect. So you do want to see him do more of the big things, uh, more of the emphatic shot blocks, more of the clearer rebounds, maybe even get some offensive rebounds. I mean, that is one thing that um, has been a huge fall off from last season is the, the Wolves were a bad defensive rebounding team last year. And, you know, everyone kind of pines for Jared Vanderbilt and what he does on the glass and, and, and things like that. But Vanderbilt was a terrible defensive rebounder, not a good one at all. And what he did was he did his damage on the offensive glass. And that's not something that Rudy Gobert has been able to really do a whole lot of. Uh, this season. So I think he's done a good job on the defensive glass, but on the offensive glass and creating more opportunities for his offense and for himself and his teammates, that's been a real disappointment. So I think what you want, you know, Rudy Gobert has always been a player who does the little things to help winning, but you need him on this team to do some big things. Uh, he was doing that before he got hurt. Hopefully he can resume some of that once he gets his legs back underneath him and gets a few more games under his belt. But yes, that was a problem last night was, you know, I, th I think there was Terry Tyrese and drove on him one time. I think Ty Ty Washington got a rebound in front of him. Like he's got to be dominant. Like that's what they need from him, especially in these games against the Rockets, against teams that are really under, uh, undersized and, and under talented uh, compared to the Wolves. You just got to be able to, to kind of squash their runs and make and make it clear to them early that they do not have the talent to keep up with you. And they just have not been able to do that. And one of the reasons is Rudy um, hasn't really imposed his will the way that you would like to see him do that. And team-wide, uh, we usually talk about effort in terms of defense and transition play. I think with the Wolves, often you see their less energetic outings manifest themselves on the offensive end where they just settle for easy shots or not not easy to make shots but easy to take shots they don't move the ball they don't stretch the defense they don't get the defense moving side to side they're just like okay I could take this three-pointer so why don't I just take this three-pointer it would be easier than actually having to move the ball yeah I think and and I, I do think that that was a big thing in these Rockets games is just taking the win for granted I don't have to really play that hard. The, these guys are terrible. Eventually, they will give the game to us. I think that's that was the approach that they took, certainly on Monday night, even to a degree on Saturday night as well. And, and you see that in the crispness of their execution or the lack thereof, uh, their willingness to go to the rim, um, their, 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 just their physicality and all of that. I mean, they've been crushed crushed on the on the glass um in in these two games by the rockets and that's just that is work that is effort and you're right offensively um you know there's a lot of settling for jumpers there's a lot of you know oh we're just going to take it easy tonight and when you do that you embolden a team especially a team that had lost 13 straight games like you know no matter how bad they are if they get a glimmer of a hope that they can win a game, they're going to try to snap that losing streak. And uh, conversely, if you jump on them early, if you make it clear to them that this is not going to be their night, they will fold a lot quicker as well. And so 
That's just what the Wolves did not do on Monday is they didn't treat this game with the respect that it deserved. And they ended up choking on their cupcake. And that's just, that's something that they have done far too often is they take these games for granted. And that's just not what really good teams do. I want to talk about D'Lo. I want to talk about Cat. Maybe a little bit of ant mixed in. A lot more to get to still here on the John Krasinski Show from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Uh, For now, I do want to tell you about TSR Injury Law, our longest-running sponsor. Steve Terry, I heard, was on the broadcast, is down in Houston with the the team. I hope he had a great time. He's been great to us. He would be great to you if you ever need his kind of help. TSR Injury Law, they will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win lots of cases. All you need to know if you were injured is to call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. They will take good care of you. What's up with Head Flyer Brewing these days, John? Yeah, Jim, Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, uh, right on Hennepin Avenue, right off of 35W, easy to get to, and once you get there, it's easy to have a good time at Head Flyer Brewing. They have great bartenders who are very friendly. They will serve you wonderful beers. I love the Wicked Jump Shot. Um, I love the It Was All a Dream, Juicy IPA, uh, but there's there's something for everyone uh, at Head Flyer. You can have sours. You can have um, all sorts of different, uh, you can have loggers, you can have all sorts of different beers at Head Flyer. Bring your dog, have them hang out that way with the family. Bring your friends, watch a game on one of their many big screen, flat screen TVs. Uh, I was just in there uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was a, um, a a huge crowd of hearing impaired people that were just hanging out and having a blast. Everyone was having a really good time. Anyone can go in, um, super accessible and you just drop, come in there, tell them the John Krasinski show sent you, have some head flyer beer, tear your hair out while you're watching these wolves underperform against the t- bad teams. Or as they play New Orleans on Wednesday night, Memphis on Friday night, Sacramento after that, maybe they're going to play great and uh, against those good teams, which is what they tend to do. So you go in there, you can celebrate with a few head flyer beers and walk out leaving feeling really good about the Timberwolves and just really good about yourself in general. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. A new year means renewed solar energy incentives from local utility providers. Want to save money on your solar install? Find out what incentives you could qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Yeah, like in basketball coach. Allenergy.com slash coach. Uh, All All Energy Solar delivers quality solar installations for homes and businesses. Been doing it since 2009. Get a free solar quote at allenergysolar.com slash coach. If you want to be more green this year, solar energy can help. The electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy, so beat the rush and plan your solar installation soon. Solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during winter storms. Read the allenergysolar.com ebook, Energy Solar and Solar at allenergysolar.com. Dot com slash battery. Uh, let's uh, now, of course, the world, world famous John Krasinski Manscaped commercial. Breaking news Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. 
From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. And the titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. Haven't been, been a big fan of D'Angelo Russell in about a calendar year, but he is shooting the lights out right now. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's your point guard. I don't know if he's somebody who's going to redeem himself in the playoffs, but he is shooting really well right now. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's the sample size has just gotten bigger and bigger, Jim. Yep. Um you, you know, you I I do think that the Timberwolves certainly are considering uh trade possibilities for D'Angelo Russell as we get closer to that February 9th deadline. Um the, typically for most of the last 6 months the trade market has been pretty cool on D'Angelo Russell, but we're talking since December 1st. He's in the 50-40-90 club, field goal percentage, uh, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, and it's been incredibly needed for this Timberwolves offense, uh, a team that was really struggling earlier on in the season to make threes, uh, that was consistently falling short against their opponents in that category and losing the math problem on a nightly basis is done much better really over the last month plus because D'Angelo Russell is shooting so well. He still has defensive liabilities. He still will make a bad turnover here or there. But the the in aggregate, D'Angelo Russell has been a positive for the Timberwolves because of the scoring element and he looks very comfortable playing off the ball either next to Kyle Anderson or next to Anthony Edwards and so I do wonder if there is a team or teams out there who look at D'Angelo Russell and say hey we need some scoring whether it's off the bench whether it's in our sign line some shot making um, for a playoff run I do think that he is more tradable today uh, than he was maybe six weeks ago. But I also think that the Timberwolves have a, a hard decision to make potentially because they need him. If they trade him, they need someone else who can stretch the floor, who can um, open the offense up, who can knock down threes. And if they move him out, uh, they you know, Cat better come back uh, firing. Jalen Noel better take a big step forward. He's been terrible from behind the three-point line. And... And so that's the kind of calculus that they have to consider when looking at possibly moving D'Angelo Russell, because he may have a few uh, minuses that that 
um, that frustrates you sometimes. But the pluses right now are elite, and he has been an elite shooter for quite a long time now in the season, and there's no signs of him slowing down right now. No, and the person we might have said a few months ago who could maybe replace Russell in terms of shooting an offensive productivity is Jalen Noel, and he is not in a good stretch here. No, he's and it's really been for most of the season here now, yeah. Jim, is he just like he came out of the gates. I think the first five games, he looked great scoring in double figures, um, you know, playing efficiently and looked like he was really poised to have the kind of season that would earn him quite a big contract in next summer or an extension from the Wolves. And he just has not since that point found any consistency, particularly with his jumper. He's shooting 28% from three-point range. Uh, that is just terrible. Um, shooting 53% from two, that's that's fine. Um, but uh, but overall, the, the turnovers are up, the assists are down, um, and, and the shooting numbers. It's just every time that he rises up to take a three – uh, you look, it looks like you can feel the weight on his shoulders. Like he wants each three point shot that he makes to count for about 11 of them that he's missed. And, and he just seems to be really grinding through the pressure of a contract year. And really, I think more so the expectations that he had for himself. He knows he can play so much better than he has played this season. And it's just not happening. And it's been, uh, a real issue for the Timberwolves. I mean, generally speaking, you want to have that spark plug off the bench who on nights your starters don't have it, maybe even against uh, teams like the Rockets who, who maybe the starters are taking things for granted a little bit. That should be a time when Jalen Noel comes in just guns blazing and, 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 and picks the team up, gives them a boost, knocks down a few shots and, and, and kind of gets them through it. And he just has not been able to for much of the season. He had a couple good games a few uh, a, a week ago or so, but by and large, uh, just really, really struggling. And Chris Finch keeps running him out there because he doesn't have really many other options. Uh, but it's been a real disappointment so far for Jalen Noel. Let's talk about Cat. A reminder, uh, this is the John Krasinski Show brought to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Our producer is Brandon Morton, and we have a lot of shows you might like. If Cheryl Reeve, uh, one of the great coaches in the world, is on our network. We have uh, John on the uh, with myself on the Viking Update show. We have Jeff Diamond. We have Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, John Millay. Uh, we've added Joe Anderson, Mike Grimm on the Gophers, Dave Lee. We have outdoor content, uh, and we have so many shows, I always at least forget a few. So go to talkmark.com. Check out all the shows for yourself. Uh, you can always go to talkmark.com to see all the shows and the archives. And the best way to listen to any show you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. So I do a lot of radio hits around the state, and sometimes they give me a pretty good window into what the kind of the average fan is thinking. And yesterday, somebody basically, and this is, of course, before they looked horrible against the Rockets, somebody was saying, boy, they should get rid of Cat. You know, this. I mean, they don't need Cat. And I'm like, whatever negatives you might attach to Carl Anthony Towns, He's their best three-point shooter. He is a historically good, young, big offensive player. He is a productive rebounder. He draws fouls. He runs the court. He usually plays hard. Uh, he, I, I would, all I can say is I, I 
can't wait to get Cat back. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it kind of is indicative, really, of how volatile Wolves Twitter and Wolves fandom has been this year. I mean, you you see them, they win one or two games in a row, and it, the response is, we don't need Cat. No one in the West scares us. We're ready to go. And then they lose a game to Houston, and it's Fire Connolly, it's Fire Finch, it's Trade Cat, it's, it's, it's all of these things. Rudy Gobert's awful. And so some of that is just sort of the the frayed nerves of Wolves fans that are understandable. But in the big picture, they are 24 and 25. Um, they are not in a great spot. They have done a good job of keeping their heads above water and not drowning without Cat. But they have not gone on any kind of a run. They haven't taken off without him. Their, their winning percentage is roughly identical to what it was with him and without him. So any notion that they are so much better off without Carl Anthony Towns is just patently false. I mean, last night, they really could have used some shot making from Towns down the stretch. Uh, they miss his rebounding terribly. Um, and I know that it wasn't exactly smooth in the first 20 games that he was uh, playing before he got injured, but that was an acclimation process. And to miss out on more of that ability to find synergy together over these last 24 games has been really damaging to the Timberwolves and to this development plan. So even when he comes back, it's going to be difficult because uh, he's going to have to sort of start over at square one um, with how to play with Rudy and Ant together and all of those things. And so um, I w would anticipate, you know, whenever it is he comes back, and it sure seems like it's going to be February at some point, um, that uh, that there's going to be some acclimation process again. And, and I'm telling you, like, they really need Carl Anthony Towns. They need his shooting and scoring. They need his consistency. They need his... Um, his rebounding to help them and any thoughts to that they are somehow better off without one of the very best offensive players in the game is just, I mean, it's foolish right now. Um, and, and I think people are letting maybe their, uh, their perceptions of him as a complainer of with the refs, uh, you know, and, and certainly it's a lot of the losing that has happened on his watch really kind of cloud their judgment on this because, um, they, they need him and they need him badly. And as far as the complaining with the refs, yes, it is annoying. Yeah, no question. But, 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 but every, name me a great NBA player who wasn't constantly complaining about trying to get every call he possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Luca, LeBron, um, you know, Jordan. even, yeah, everyone loves Ant and he yeah. is a bunch of technicals. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yep, there's there's that. Um, now you you can argue well maybe Towns isn't quite to that level of player that he shouldn't be doing that, but I, I'll say that he shouldn't be. He 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 does argue too much, um, yeah. and it, and it does and it is bad energy. But you're right. I mean, it that is that is what happens all across the league, all of the time, and does it it doesn't make it right. But there the 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 notion that there are just these stoic stars, Draymond Green, Steph Curry argues a lot. There, the, the notion that there's these stoic stars that just, you know, kind of take their lickens and 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 take it on the chin, that's false. It doesn't happen. 
Um, so, you know, when he comes back, I do hope that he is in control of himself and understands that there are, there's a time and a place to, to pick those fights, but, but boy, um, will the Timberwolves be ecstatic to have him back in the lineup when he does come back because of how much easier he's going to make this offense go and, and just how much they need him to do it. And I don't want to make a big deal out of it. We don't just do all the uh, clickbaity stuff on this show, but Towns did put out an, I think, I can't remember. It was Instagram or whatever. Basically saying, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I can't keep up with all that stuff. I'm old, Uh, but just take us through uh, the, you know, his injury, supposed injury timeline and why he's upset. Yeah. So um, when he first got injured against the wizards in, at the end of November uh, had his exams, uh, there was an initial real fear that he tore out his Achilles. He blew out his Achilles and was going to be out for a very long time. He had the exam that revealed a calf strain and not anything wrong with his Achilles. And I do think that there was clearly a sigh of relief breathed uh, at that time, knowing that he was not going to miss a full year or or anything like that to, to come back. And uh, ESPN did report at the time that there was an expected timeline of four to six weeks. I will tell you internally at The Athletic, when we reported was it was going to be multiple weeks because we did not have a very good handle on an exact timeline just given the nature of the injury. And so we did not want to be specific about it because our sources were telling us that it was going to be hard to be specific until we saw how his body reacted. So the ESPN report of four to six weeks certainly did put a, a an expectation in Wolves fandom that uh, that it really wasn't all that severe and that Towns was going to be okay sooner than later. Uh, where that came from, I don't know exactly, um, but clearly Carl Anthony Towns and his Twitch stream made it clear that he did not um, agree with that ever, that he said that right from the start it was going to be a grade three strain and not a grade two and grade three strains typically take two months or more to come back from. And some of them require surgery. So, um, so he seemed to be annoyed at, 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 at the least and, and frustrated at the worst with the messaging that came out in that report. But I will say also um, the Timberwolves could have been more transparent about it um, in, in their public handling of it. And whether that was Carl Anthony Towns trying to be private, whether that was the Timberwolves medical staff trying to um, just like be a little bit more vague and and respect privacy, I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, they were um, they they never put a timeline on it. They didn't they didn't announce whether it was a grade two or a grade three strain or anything like that. And so it leaves for a lot of guessing and guesswork from reporters trying to put this whole injury in context and. We've seen this before with Carl Anthony Towns with his knee injury several years back. Um, there is a vagueness that sometimes surrounds it um, that makes it hard to predict and forecast. And I do think it sometimes puts Carl Anthony Towns in a bad spot. I mean, to have that four to six week report come out and now have him well beyond two months um, in his recovery, um, that doesn't do Towns any favors. And he seems to be pointing the fingers a little bit at more of the wolves wolf side of the equation. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, they, th- I think they have some things to work through on that front because towns clearly is frustrated 
with how it has been depicted in the media. And, um, and, and I also think that, you know, anytime any of them, you know, if, if towns would have come out earlier in the, in the situation and said, Hey, I have a grade three strain, it would have, that would have helped. Or if the Timberwolves said that earlier in the process to Carl Anthony towns is a grade three strain that would have managed things, uh, and managed the message much better. And maybe we would not have had some of these same frustrations, but here we are. And so now it does look increasingly like it'll be February. Is it going to be before the all-star break? Is it going to be after the all-star break? We don't know. There's still no definitive timeline on it, but having that grade three specificity out there at least tells us what he is exactly working through. And so we can understand it a little bit better. I have always felt and I've been around the Wolves since I guess 2005. Uh, you know, I've never co- and I never covered the Wolves as a beat writer. It's just been feature writing and then column writing, which is a different thing than you guys who are there every day. Uh, but I've always felt like the Wolves have had this weird vibe around them, where they have been, you know, they've not been a good franchise. We know that they've not won enough. They have not been well run for many stretches of time. They've made grotesque mistakes uh, in sports management and player choice, player development, everything else. And yet they, to me, they've also been one of the most secretive and least accessible uh, franchises I've covered. Am I right in that? I mean, you're around another other teams to, to check me on that. Am I wrong about that? Um, I don't, I would say this, I would say that yet yeah, there in general, there has been a, a, an intentional, lack of specifics when it comes to the way that they discuss injuries. Part of that, I think, is because the players, the individual players in the NBA are more influential and powerful than a Major League Baseball player is, than a hockey player is, than an NFL player is. Um, So you're kind of at the whim sometimes of what these athletes do feel comfortable disclosing and how they want to handle it. But I do think that also there is, there has been a lack of communication or at least a lack of education from the team's specific standpoint to the player on the potential ramifications that being um, uh, vague about injuries has from a public perception. And, and so that has been, I think, a continual source of frustration or at least bewilderment from people like us in the media of like, why can't we just be a little bit more upfront about some of this stuff? And I know at times there is a fear that you come out and say, well, hey, if Towns is going to be back in six to eight weeks and he's back in nine weeks, that reflects poorly both on the player and on the organization for getting um, for not being able to get him ready uh, in in that time. But I do think that if you are confident in what you're doing and if you believe that uh, in, in your processes, that um, even when timelines take a little bit longer, you can be clear in your messaging that, hey, look, we're looking around this time. Bodies react differently to different injuries and there's going to be some wiggle room on each side of that. Um, that we expect to happen uh, as a person is working through the rehab process and just being up front and treating everyone 
like adults and not treating these things as state secrets. Um, I think the more uh, darkness surrounding these kinds of issues, the more speculation it breeds and the more guesswork that it breeds. And I don't think that's good for anyone. I don't think that any player or any team should be expected to show the MRIs, to like disclose medical reports and, and all of those things. There has to be a certain level of privacy with a player's health that we all, that we all respect. But I do think that the Timberwolves and the players involved can do a better job of setting parameters of being a little bit more clear on what injuries are and what they're working through. And I think that would benefit everyone involved, the team, the players, the fans, the media, and just give everyone a better understanding of what goes on. I mean, I think, you know, you look at Greg Farnham has been, the Timberwolves head athletics trainer for a very, very long time. He's with USA basketball. He's deeply respected. I think he's really good at what he does. Um, and, and so I don't think it's an issue of, are these guys doing the right things to help these players rehab and get back on the court? Uh, his history speaks that, that they have. It's just a matter of, in terms of how you handle the messaging from a PR standpoint, from a, from a player standpoint, from a team standpoint, I think that's where the waters have gotten muddied over the years and where I think that everyone can do better um, to just give better people a better understanding of what the heck's going on here. Yeah, well said. And Greg is Greg is has a great reputation. Yeah, he's said, terrific. Uh, here and nationally, uh, he's been really one of the few constants in the organization, and you don't survive that many regime changes unless you're really – good and really well thought of. I think if Greg had been the uh, Twins trainer last year, they would have won the division, but uh, we they're not a lot, you know, he, he was busy, so he couldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. We'll be back next week, and we will have something interesting to say about the Timberwolves, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm.